You're listening to the Big Locals Podcast, a podcast platform built to serve the locals. Join us as we follow the innovative, eccentric, and movers and shakers of the Denver community, brought to you by the not-so-local host, Ian Jimeno. Shop local, support local, Big Locals Podcast. Welcome to the Big Locals Podcast. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Season 2 of the Big Locals Podcast. And for those of you who are astute listeners of the podcast, some of you may recall me stating in the trailer of the podcast that Season 1 will be all about food, which is not entirely true, and Season 2 will be a completely different topic or theme, and so on and so forth. And there were just too many stellar local entrepreneurs that I couldn't have an artist or business owner wait until season three to get their name out there. I wanted to provide an opportunity as quickly as I can uh, to those who asked. And as they say, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Holla at your boy, me, if you want to be on this podcast. I always love listening to these stories, and I just want to put the spotlight on you for a second. We're always uh, conversing with other people, just shooting the crap and being very superficial, but I want to put the spotlight on you. Let's talk about your business. Let's talk about your passion projects. But I want to talk about the premiere of season two featuring Mark from Zest and Savor, a chef utilizing both his creative processes and his nutritional science background to produce plates that envelop all of the senses. Mark is such a cool guy with a hard work mentality that I could not get over the fact that he's into creating experiences for events, wedding cakes, personal chef dinners, which I have utilized myself, and cooking classes with you and a select few of your favorite friends or family. This guy is busy and he's loving what he does. And for those who did not catch the preview on Instagram last weekend of Mark, uh, Mark told me a gold nugget of information when cooking and sometimes... You have to learn the why behind the recipe in order to utilize the ingredients to its fullest extent, not only in the recipe itself that you're trying out, but in other iterations of the same ingredients in future recipes. So be on the lookout for that gold nugget of information. Mark is full of those in this whole interview and be sure to leave a like, follow, subscribe, review five stars or whatever for the podcast. I want the world to hear about the up-and-coming Denver entrepreneurs and artists of this day and age. And as far as shout-outs go, Mark Galvin of The Zest and Savior wouldn't have been able to get this far without their own support foundation. And every person and organization he mentions is in the show notes for your benefit. The featured artist that I will be playing throughout the episode is The Mañanas, and with the local single Lucia featuring Civil Engineer. And there's something about this chill indie rock band that gets me going and takes me to driving down the Highway 1 on the California coast. And if you check out their music video for this single, they're just a couple of dudes that love having fun and living in the moment. I don't know them personally, mind you, but uh, I can guarantee Brandon and Danny bring a good time with them. So check out their newest EP, Cheers, on Spotify. Cheers. One more huge shout out to Pablo Villalpando out in the San Jose, California area, for working on the big locals website. Pablo himself has a local mindset, helping out the smaller businesses and side hustles 
such as this podcast, with a bartering system. I agreed to trade some of my home-brewed beer for his services on the website. Check out his own website and become part of his own bartering system. Or if you need an SEO expert, search engine optimization expert for your website, look for pablovielpando.com. I'll put his website in the show notes, so check that out. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Mark Galvin, the brainchild of Zest and Saber. Mark Galvin of Zest and Savor. How's it going, man? Welcome to the Big Locals Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My first podcast ever. <laughs> awesome, man. Oh my gosh. It, it's it's honestly such a blast just meeting new people and even just meeting you as a person as well. Um, we'll go into that in a future uh, segment of the interview, but I do want to hear about you and your involvement with D- Denver, Colorado and just the local area in itself. So tell me a little bit more about when you came here and what your roots were and everything like that. Sure. Uh, Yeah, so I moved to Colorado kind of post-2007, 2008. Yeah, that recession, right? Big recession, yeah, of 2008. (laughs) Um, I had just graduated actually from a baking and pastry program in Louisville, Kentucky, but I, I grew up in Missouri and I couldn't find any work at the time. And I was like, hey, what's the next best thing? Like be a ski bum for a little bit until I figure it all out. Uh, so I took my education, packed up my car and drove all the way to Keystone, Colorado and ended up finding a job actually in a Keystone Culinary pro- Program, which is actually like a, an apprenticeship for three years. So essentially I got to basically just work. I got paid to basically go to school. I had full health benefits. I got a free ski pass. So I was living a little bit of that bum ski bum lifestyle in kind of the early 2009 ish time, uh, before I think Denver was quote unquote cool. Hmm. Um, and yeah, just kind of, it, it was all, I think I literally applied for the job and I was moving and packing my things within a month. So it was wow. a very spontaneous decision. Um, I picked up, kind of left all my friend group and was like, I'm on to the next thing. I have to change something up. Um, as you do in your 20s where you just, I don't know, you're basically just eating like Cheetos and making decisions, being half drunk all the time. <laughs> hey, it sounds like my background. Way to go, dude. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, so I've been here since 2009. Uh, I guess that puts me at about 11 years currently. Um yeah. And so I started up in the mountains working for a lot of fine dining restaurants, uh, enjoyed it, had a lot of fun. Um, but after about four years of living in the mountains, I was kind of a little jaded, to be really honest. I was like less interested in the mountain lifestyle and I was looking for kind of some more inner excitement. And Denver was kind of the closest option. So I, you know, decided to kind of make a new transition and move down to the city and it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, I have such a great community of people here. Uh, I've actually finished my bachelor's degree at MSU. Uh, I've worked at a couple of local restaurants. Uh, I've worked at Linger the longest, 
Um, and I've been involved with multiple different organizations here in Denver. And I just, I can't speak highly enough about the city, uh, honestly. I mean, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I came from really humble roots. My parents were both in the army and I was kind of a military brat, but we lived in the smallest town ever. I actually kind of look it up before this podcast. The township as of 2010 had 4,500 people that lived in it. Wow. So I came from like a very small town mentality to big city dreams. And <laughs> it's been intimidating at times, but um, I just, I love Denver's quality of life. I like that you can involve yourself with the city, but it doesn't necessarily like, it's not your only option. And I think a lot of people can really like, can really uh, relate to that. You know, it's like you live in San Francisco, like you live in San Francisco, you know what I mean? Like you're in the city. Um, you live in LA, you're like in LA, Like you live in the city, Denver. It's like, it's like your best friend you kind of tag around with, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, you're pretty cool. But my friend in the mountains is pretty cool too. You know? So you're just kind of here sometimes hanging out. It's like, it's a cool opportunity. Um, yeah. I, sorry. Uh, I guess yeah. going back to the mountain area, mm -hmm. uh, I've never really spent too much time uh, in there. And quite frankly, my only experience going through the mountain towns is merely just that, um, just passing through. Uh, I have, I've had some work through Grand Junction, some in Silverthorne, Summit County, yeah. um, which are, oh my gosh, I, I was there recently, what, early January. So um, it's a beautiful place. Oh my yeah. gosh, man. It's everything you see in a Hallmark card, you know? You mm. get the frosted tips, almost like frosted mini wheats, but in the coniferous tree zone, you know what I mean? So pretty. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'm curious with, um, I, I would expect in Summit County and those fancier restaurants that you might've been uh, working at that you get a different kind of clientele than you do in Denver. Uh, sure. I would expect maybe in Denver that you are getting more, you know, um, more single family residences that are just going out to a restaurant, just hanging out doing a birthday thing. But uh, over there in the mountains, you get like ski resorts, people coming in from out of town. And yeah. um, I'm curious what your perspective is with, um, um, people coming into those cities and just trying to experience that life, um, whether it be the skiing in itself or maybe like cross country skiing or snowshoeing and things like that. So, you know, it's funny, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that there isn't a, a burgeoning growing food culture in the mountains, but I will say, you know, there's a huge stereotype of Americans and the, in the mountains, you get a lot of travelers outside of the U.S. and inside of the U.S., right? And there's this whole, oh God, ski town, uh, <laughs> cowboy vibe kind of thing, like Wild Wild West sort of vibe. Like even the really nice restaurants, I feel like could use a little facelift from time to time. I mean, there's big game, like hung on the walls. There's old ski pictures everywhere. And, you know, I think it lends itself to kind of being a little gimmicky sometimes. But I, 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 if anybody from Summit County is listening to this, I think that there are like people who are absolutely testing the boundaries of food. Um, but from a fine dining perspective, you know, I think a lot of times it was very traditional, very mm -hmm. American continental and kind of like palette and style. Um, mm -hmm. You know, lots of features of wild game, um, very like meat, starch, vegetable kind of dishes, which mm -hmm. is 
is so classically American and it can be done exceptionally well. And I think a lot of people out there are really doing a great job. Um, I'm curious as to have you had experience with these bigger games, you know, in your cuisine, such as elk, um, maybe even like bison, buffalo, or yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure what the wildlife is around here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So elk is pretty popular. Um, there's, you know, obviously you can get, you can get a permit to actually hunt elk in the state. Mm. Um, which I've actually had the opportunity just recently to cook uh, somebody's personal hunt. I actually wow. got some tenderloin and it was fantastic. Um, super tender, beautiful meat, very like venison-esque, but even less gamey than venison. So really fun there. Um, I worked for a company or a restaurant up there called Ski Tip. And this was actually kind of where I think I learned the most of my like cooking chops. Um, we used to i think they've kind of changed their model now but we used to actually do like a four course menu every single night that was completely changed so every night we would come in for the small team only about three of us to develop a whole different four course menu and uh, we love to feature as much wild game as we possibly could and things Mm -hmm. that were just unique um that people didn't really get to see a whole lot of so it wasn't unfamiliar for us to have things like you know, elk New York strip or ostrich steaks or, um, you know, bison tenderloin and, you know, just some really interesting like cuts, which are so fun. Um, and I love that team that I worked with at that time because it was kind of like sky's the limit in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. You know, we wanted it to be recognizable, but we also were pushing the boundaries of like cooking techniques and offering new styles for people and new palettes for people. Cause I, I mean, the chef team stayed relatively the same, and the clientele was often returning, you know, so you had people coming from California and people coming in from New York you had people coming from Mexico being like, oh, we come here. The ski tip is like our number one spot. Wow. And it was fun to always just like be able to wow people again and again. It was such a fun experience. I mean, on Christmas is our busiest day, I remember. And I think we've maxed out in the past years at like 110, which like sounds like a lot. But when you consider like the restaurant I worked, I work at Linger um, you know, that can seat almost 500 at night, you know, it's, it's definitely dramatic. I mean, our dining room was maybe, I think it was only like 10 or 15 tables at one time. Wow. That is cool. You get the much more intimate approach to it then. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's comparatively to like a smaller venue. If you were to go to a live concert, uh, a small venue where you can actually like almost see the sweat on the, uh, the musician's face as opposed to, you know, where it's a little bit more uh, like a big sports arena or something like that, where, you know, you're enjoying the music and the crowd itself. I feel like you're feeling the energy of the crowd as opposed to, you know, the experience, the reason why you came for. So yeah. I, I think it's, also- it's, it's funny you say that. Cause it's kind of like, yeah, like smaller restaurants, I feel like gives you the opportunity to really to be a part of the experience. You know, when you're in an arena show, you're kind of drowned out by like the din of the experience. Right. But Mm -hmm. smaller places I think have a really special, unique way. And if, and if they haven't realized it, they definitely should and encompass that kind of realm where they let their guests really be a part of the experience. And I think that kind of like takes the, that puts that little cherry on top of it, which is really, yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I really like that aspect of like fine dining where you're not just providing food for them. It's not sustenance anymore. You know, it's right. now an experience. Yeah. It's it extravagance, is, right? Yeah. It's extravagance for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I do want to hear more about your transition from, you know, your mountain life to Denver and then eventually coming out with the business that you have birthed, Zest and Saver. So tell me a little bit more about your transition into, you know, wanting to start your own business. Yeah. So, um, gosh, that's such a long story. Um, <laughs> do we have? No, I was um, so when I, I first moved to Denver, I started working for a restaurant company called um, Linger. And they're an amazing restaurant here in the Highlands neighborhood. Um, and they own several restaurants around the city, super unique concepts, very like um, global kind of cuisine inspired restaurant um, and a lot of fun. I mean, I've had some of the best times of my life and met some of the coolest people because of Linger, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, if anybody, they throw the best uh, company party I've ever attended in my life. <laughs> um, hands down, boots, hands, boots down. That shit <laughs> the funnest party ever. Um, anyway, so started working there, um, kind of worked my way up there for a while. And then I was kind of going through a bit of a funk in my life at one point, just kind of beaten down by like the industry. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that the food industry is all glamour. I think mm. It's often painted with a very slick brush on TV and, you know, there's a whole network of television that's dedicated to just food, but it's a hard industry to work in. You know, Mm. it's, you're often working long hours, you're often underpaid, um, and it's very thankless kind of occupation in a lot of ways. So, you know, to do it day in and day out, there are some people who thrive immensely in that spectrum and, and I lived that life for a long time and loved it, um, but I just needed a break. And so I kind of went on a soul-searching adventure in 2015. I actually went and hiked the Appalachian Trail. So I just, another one of those spontaneous decisions, I just quit my job, packed up my life, and just put everything in storage and was like, I'll be back to Denver, but I'm going to take six months to myself. And went and hiked the AT, um, had the most incredible time ever. And on that trip, I kind of started to really develop more of like what I wanted to do with food and how I felt that this career could find some equity in my life, you know, for me, earn me a livable wage and kind of offer me some things that um, don't always, don't always, you you don't always get to break through the glass ceiling to find, right? So... God, that's so long-winded anyway. God, I thought, I thought like <laughs> Messiah on like my spiritual journey, but it kind of felt like that, like just gross and dirty every day and only could think about myself, right? You know, I, I do have to admit, Mark, with uh, any sort of hiking um, a- adventure excursion, um, I mean, even for only maybe about two weeks, that's the longest that I've gone uh, over in the Yosemite Valley. And, oh. and I, it was freaking amazing you know Did you do the john muir trail or something or part of it i mean i was just a lowly uh camper over at camp oh, four okay. i know any sort of like hardcore uh trailing that you did as, as especially with like the appalachian trail but one day i would love to do the pct or john muir or something like that oh my but god I, breathtaking right i mean even just seeing yeah. pictures but and it's uh, just the experience itself too you know yeah yeah it's just the experience yeah you really I don't know. I can't say it enough. It's like in the American culture, we're so obsessed with things and it's so incredible when you are just dirty to the point that like the dirt is like clinged to you. There were parts in time where I just was like, 
this is my my truest nature. I'm <laughs> over my hair and mud up the back of my legs that can't even be washed off at a certain point. Like it's just you just and you stink like an animal. Mm-hmm. But the people and the connections that you develop and the things you learn about yourself are so fascinating because it's like you cut you strip yourself of this sort of ego pretension, your clothing, your you know, I don't know what the, what's the word I'm looking for like this ideology of like yourself mm-hmm. and you just have to be raw with people and yourself. And it's just incredible. It's such a great yeah. learning experience. You are, you are, you are so raw at that point. You're, uh-huh. There's no other like covering except for the mud on your skin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a thin sheet of clothing to protect you from the wild. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. going back to Zip and Saver and okay. actually listening to, you know, your epitome and trying to figure out what you want in your life and going back to Denver, assumedly, you know, picking your stuff back up from the self storage and trying to make roots here again. Um, as far as starting up that business and Mm -hmm. finding clients, where was your starting point? Were you finding people like friends and family? Like, hey guys, I have mm-hmm. several years in the culinary industry. I've done a bunch of fine dining. I would love to perform or at least create an event with you and just make this an experiential thing. Was that sort of how it played out? Yeah. So I was kind of toying with the idea for about a year or so after I finished my nutrition degree because I was kind of, I kind of went into that thinking like in an altruistic mindset, like I'll help people through food and get this like find that job that I'm getting to like cook and actually provide new nourishment for people um, instead of just novelty. And I kind of realized that, you know, it's it's really not that way in the industry um, in like the classic kind of nutrition world. (laughs) Um, So I was like, okay, well I have these skills. I have this knowledge. Like how can I put this to use? And I had been working with an organization shortly after the AT um, called First Descent, and we do these outdoor excursions for young adults with cancer. And a big part of that is that they bring in a chef to do like nutrition for them on the at, at on site. So essentially, I'm doing the job that I wanted to do. I was doing it with another company, and so they kind of showed me the way. It was like, oh, I have the skill set to do this. I can accomplish, you know, cooking for 20 people in in a small home kitchen. You know, I saw like the work that I was doing and I was like, I have the aptitude and the knowledge to produce these menus and to create this sort of comfort for people. And so I was like, let's just do it on my own. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. I kind of jumped out from that spectrum and just sort of really slowly. I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my name out there. I'm going to tell people I'm doing this and see where it goes. And it's not all that surprising. It was the first distance family that really were the Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. um, one of the people in that, in, in a program, um, that I didn't particularly cook at, but I met her through Denver cause it's a very interconnected community of people. Um, she actually was my first client and she just happens to be a headhunter and an incredible marketer. So she kind of really pushed me into the spectrum. I was like, I was talking about it. She was like, let's put pen to paper and let's do this. And nice. I'm so thankful for that. Um, her name is Katie Doble and she is an incredible human being and she has done so much work for me and has hired me um, and has repped me, honestly, in some of, you know, really hard times for herself. Like she, she's the kind of person that's like, 
she's in the middle of chemo and she's still marketing my business. I'm like, wow. how is this possible? You're amazing. You know? No um, joke. So, oh my gosh. Your, your emotions are just tied in so many different ways and she's able to pull that off and help you and think yeah. about other people before herself. That's very impressive. Good job, Katie. Yeah. She's awesome. I'll give her a huge shout out for sure. She yeah. was, she like literally launched my business. I, I don't think I've given her enough credit. Truthfully, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not awesome. Kidding. Kudos, Katie. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of um, going through and trying to find your footing within Zest and Savor, uh, I actually uh, got connected with you through Sean Oblizalo, um, mm-hmm. Vows and Peaks, who is an excellent elopement photographer. Um, his pictures are amazing. And quite frankly, I want to do something with him, kind of like what I did with you, where try out what you guys do, what you do best, yeah. you know? And um, he performs so excellently and provides a whole great experience for his clients, you know, experience through hiking elopements and out in the wilderness. And then I assume you come in once they come back home and they are, you know, fulfilled all like hundred percent. Well, I'd say like 95%, you bring them to that extra 5% yeah. to, you know, it's so. satisfied when they come home where you provide this excellent meal when they come home into civilization. So how did that come into fruition? And what is you sort of um, an ambiance that you like to provide for these clients? Sure. Um, yeah. So Sean and I actually worked together at Linger. And so he had kind of started his business about two years ago and I just was having this incredible success. And I think it was just a natural transition, you know, when you have people who are doing these really intimate small dinners, you know, what's better than having an even more intimate small dinner or sorry, you're doing these intimate small elopements. And then to have that intimate small dinner attached to it is just like a little, you know, extra perk. If you Frosting will. on the cake for sure. Cake, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just been a really awesome partnership. He, A, just helps align me with some people who are already in the same mindset as I am. You know, they're excited to be here in Colorado. They're the kind of clients, you know, who don't want that traditional large wedding, maybe. Or with COVID, you know, I've had a lot of clients actually segued into this opportunity because they can no longer do these, you know, extravagant 100-person dinners. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm over here. I can do 20 <laughs> You know, and hey, we, you know, we can bring in your mom, your dad, maybe your grandma, if she's comfortable, maybe some like other like extended family members, but let's keep it small. Let's keep it intimate. Let's have a fun time. Um, and I, it's just been so fun to, mm. to do, um, you know, my business can really is, I'm kind of that good, like in between. Cause I think like caterers, they traditionally want like a lot more business, right? It's more th- it's more fulfilling and fruitful for their business to have, you know, the 20 plus. And I really, my business thrives best at like, you know, two to 20. So mm-hmm. I kind of find those clients at the, um, at a different range and, and people are super stoked about it. And I'm, I couldn't be happier with the collaborations we've done over the summer. It's been yeah, so- what you, you've certainly found your niche with, uh, you know, helping out Sean or even just inter working together, uh, yeah. that internet relationship. I really love that. And, um, you know, it, it, I'm just so stoked that people that have starting their own, that are starting their own business, uh, can still find possibilities in this COVID time, as well as 
I don't know, any other time. I mean, starting a business is not easy in whatever market that you're in. You sure. Know? And I think more than now, now more than ever, is that how the saying goes? <laughs> <laughs> now more than ever, it's so important too that, you know, these small businesses who are trying to thrive and trying to operate, you know, really lean on each other. Because it's mm. it's often really interesting how much we have to offer each other and how much that little piece of the connection helps bold and embolden both of our like communities. Like, right. Like, so Sean has introduced me to so many people through photography, through his photography business and have turned into not only clients I've worked with, but then they refer me to a whole nother network of people I've never been interacted with before, you know, and people who were like, Oh, you know, I'm not doing an elopement, but I live in Denver and my friend had this amazing elopement and had all these pictures and she couldn't speak enough about you. So can we do a dinner with you sometime? You know, so it's, uh, it's really important. I think, I think, uh, social media kind of gives us this, I don't know, perception that we're always connected, but probably not as much as we think, you mm -hmm. know, it's one thing for somebody to like have heard of you. And it's another to have someone have heard of you and have heard, it firsthand from somebody who's experienced what your job does. Right. Mm -hmm. um, what do they call it? The difference between like a lead and a, a referral. Yeah. It's very yeah. warm connection, warm exactly. referral. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And so having people in your pocket who not only have heard about you, but also know you and are willing to talk about you is so important as a small business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anytime. And I find that even my business doesn't necessarily always relate to elopement, but Nearly every single time I'm doing something, somebody will ask me that same question. You know, who do you work with? How do you get involved? What are your, a lot of your clientele like? And it just comes up in conversation. I'll be like, Sean Obazalo from Vows and Peaks. He's this incredible photographer. Big shout out to you, Sean. And, uh, you know, he can help you and your friends and your next elopement. And it's just, it's just a beautiful partnership. So it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of beautiful partnership and getting those warm leads, uh, I actually heard of you through Sean himself. And he was saying like, I know this amazing guy, personal chef. He gives, gives that cherry on top of after the whole excursion elopement, he brings it home, right? Uh, <laughs> everyone comes home and just comes back to a fine, fine, excellent meal. And I had the pleasure of uh, experiencing that myself with um, yeah. my, me, my wife, Kat, and my mom and my dad. So uh, January 2nd is my birthday. Our anniversary is on the third and then Kat's birthday is on the fourth. So we wanted to just, you know, do something a little different. Yeah. Uh, we've honestly never had a personal chef experience. So, uh, and neither has my parents. So uh, I was like, what the heck, you know, let's just combine it all and put it on the third. So I reached out to you and I was really excited to, you know, have something like from a fine chef, fine uh, cuisine chef, you know, uh, obviously I don't know the exact word is I, I <laughs> 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 chef Mark, he is providing these, this excellent service for us. And I remember on our call, it's like, all right, so what do you guys like to eat? I'm like, um, I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> uh, maybe pasta with chicken. I'm not even sure. And you came up with this excellent, uh, maybe you started with, out with the entree where you're like, Hey, let's, let's talk about the entree first. I have this rack of lamb that I've had from a previous event that I had left over and, but Leftover have, may have a different connotation, but yeah. nonetheless, you presented it in, in excellent fashion. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit more about how you even came up with this menu. I mean, this is a four course menu and all I gave you was like, Hey, we like pasta. <laughs> it's, you were able to concoct something that was great for our senses and just was an overall pleasurable experience. Well, I mean, I like to start with food and kind of the way I like to think about it in general is that I want people to have an experience. And I also want you to be a part, like, I want you to be in the driver's seat of mm. that experience. You know what I mean? Like so much of the food industry, and I have to say so much of it, and I'm speaking to all chefs out there. It's so much about this hubris, godlike complex. God, it is intolerable <laughs> sometimes. Like, like you're just God's creation to cuisine in all fashions and forms, you know? And I just, I just, this is going to be my little aside, my little tangent here. Let's hear it. Stand on that soapbox. Yeah, stand on my little soapbox for a moment. When you strip away the novelty, when you strip away the glitz and the glam of a restaurant and the experience that you have there, you know, how much of that meal do you usually remember? You know, and that's kind of the side of it that I want like people to be excited about is like to build a memory. Like maybe that's, you know, you're doing a dinner with like you and your family for your anniversary and doing something you've never done before and getting an opportunity to sit down with me and talk about the experience. And you're like, I even got to be a part of building this menu. You know, I was like, when we first talked, I initially was like, I want to know a, first of all, how do I not kill you? So I need to know your are <laughs> It's like number one, right? Do you have any dietary preferences, allergies that we need to get out of the way? And then two, it's like, what do you like to eat? You know, and if you go out, are you are you an experimenter? Do you want some gastronomy? Do you want to see some a technique you've never seen before? You know, because it's excellent when people uh, get out of their comfort zone, but some people just don't want to, you know, and that's sure. okay too. And they still deserve like excellent food at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, put your ego aside sometimes and be like, listen, I'm going to create a menu that is perfect for you and your palate. Uh, it doesn't matter if it has 75 garnishes and 100 sauces on it. You know, that's maybe what I want, but that's not what you want. Right. So <laughs> that's kind of how I like to start the initial process first. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I offer a free consultation with every client um, because I really want to get to know who these people are, what their interests are, who, who, you know, are they adventurous? Are they not? Are they looking mm. for, you know, I don't know. Are they looking at what, what do they want? You know, what do they want? Yeah. I want I, to I, find a way to bridge my, my skill and your tastes to find mm. the best possible experience. Oh so my gosh. Yeah. And honestly, we were blown away with every single portion of it. So we started off with like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm really bad at these uh, pronunciations, but I'm going to try my best. I feel like okay. from practicing with my word and then you have to like spell it and use it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Um, so uh, to start off, you had a roasted beet and pistachio salad. I know all those words, uh, tender greens, pickled shallots, orange tarragon vinaigrettes. And then the second, which was um, more of a appetizer, acorn squash, annulati, annulati. and prosciutto. Okay. Yeah. I learned with Italian, you don't really pronounce the G, but it's sort of like this nya sound, right? Like lasagna. Exactly, exactly. And you always say you need to smile. <laughs> if you want to learn Italian, smile when you say the words like annulati, pasta. You got to say it like okay. Going a little bit, 
Yeah. I had no idea. Maybe that's why they love their food and they're just constantly happy. They're just full all the time. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> but I don't know if you knew this, but I love ricotta cheese. And the oh, fact yeah. that you put it in this appetizer blew me away as well. I Ooh. did. I don't think I even told you, but you, you just got that connection or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Got that ESP, baby. That's right. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong business then. <laughs> I need to start like buying auto tickets, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then for the entree, you had a seared rack of lamb and tagliatelle. Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Tagliatelle, uh, which is rosemary plum tomato ragu, fresh pasta. You made it yourself. I made fresh pasta. pasta. My goodness, my and pecorino romano. So my good. gosh, it was amazing. I mean. I, I think the the pasta by itself could have been its own entree, you know, <laughs> like it was so full of flavor without even putting on the ragu and even without the lamb itself. You know, I can even tell that there was just something about it. That's not your usual, like stale pasta that you have to boil. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, you know, and that's kind of one of the, one of those things too. I like to talk about food and I'll, I'll just use like a little tangent. It's like, that's pasta right. is so simple and it's, and it's, and it's, form it is something so simple something that everyone has experienced probably throughout the entire world and it's recognizable and it takes depending on your recipe but the recipe i use takes three ingredients eggs flour and salt you know yes you can get into the minutiae of things like oil versus uh whole milk and water and all these other additives um and there's a million different ways to prepare it but it's so simple at its core you know Mm. Um, but yet just doing it from scratch takes a dish from something maybe you've had your entire life and being like, holy shit, I never had this before. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that, that's like one of my favorite things about food sometimes too, is like taking something so recognizable and understandable and being like, holy shit, I never had it like this before. Right. Yeah. Cause that's memorable. I think in a lot of ways. I totally agree. And you having your nutritional background as well, I think you keep consciousness of what you actually put into your food and having that sort of like left brain, right brain dichotomy with your cuisine. It's it's a whole different experience than if someone was just classically trained in fine dining where you're cre- sure you're creating the experience, but there's a science portion to it. And food is science. There's so much chemistry behind all of that stuff. 100%. You know? It's the best. I always like to think like, cuisine and being a chef is like the best of being a mad scientist and like an artist at the same time you know it's like so you can get so cerebral and geeky and just i have cookbooks that i literally have no pictures in them and it's just about food chemistry and i love (laughs) it and i listen to podcasts that are literally will just take a potato and talk about it for two hours and i love it you know I love that shit. I will get into the deep, the darkest minutia of things so far, so quick. Um, and it gives you opportunity just to be creative, you know, like you're only held back by your imagination. Um, it's just so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a nerd at heart. I'm always got good grades and I loved science and I think food found me in a certain way because of that combination of the two things. Yeah. Did you ever have to take organic chemistry? I did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, um, God bless your soul. God, that is the hardest class I think I ever took. Yeah. <laughs> that really might've been the hardest class I ever took. When they got into <laughs> morality, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to lose focus. But uh, no, that was, that was a, 
that class and then my nutrition program, the macronutrients and how digestion works. Mm -hmm. We barely skim the surface. There are people who write whole PhDs on that, but wow. Like once you get into that side of it, it's incredible. Oh man, there's a rabbit hole. And uh, I love, I would love to talk about this with you more, especially when it comes to the science and chemistry behind it. Cause I, myself, I, I love geology and the science behind like dead things. I never yeah. had to take organic chemistry. So <laughs> I, I, but I do hear, I had a lot of nursing major and, um, nutrition major, uh, friends who, uh, would never wish organic chemistry on their worst enemies. So, um, you know, bless yeah, you, man. Like, it works like this most of the time is kind of like <laughs> to sum it up. You know, it's like you learn like a little bit and you're like, that was just one little far web to the next oh. 10 other topics in the same branch. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. It builds up on each other for sure. Yeah. Um, but going back to your creative process and I did a little bit of research and went back into the deep depths of the Instagram page of Zest and Saver. Okay. And I really enjoyed your little like tutorial sessions with let's say something as easy as cutting up an onion or yeah. the blackberry smash cocktail and you do even add that science background to these tutorials of like how to cut an onion and even just putting it the knife between your two knuckles and i see so many chefs doing it on like hgtv or like true tv or whatever and but i never knew the reason why like do they not <laughs> like their nails or something like that, you know, but, um, not only that, but the astringency and the sulfur in the onions, you also explain that in the tutorial as well. I just love that aspect where you have more than just the creative and the food process, but you say reasons why, you know, kind of things that keep people curious. Then it's kind of like, okay. So I started my career as a pastry chef. Right. And so, and just to kind of bring in the creative process here, it's like, so much of that is about regiment and you learn these formulas, right? And everyone's like, you have to be so precise. Well, yes, you have to be very precise when you deal with a recipe. But if you understand why you have to be precise, then you develop a skill that's beyond that recipe because now you know how to change it. Because if you know why you put eggs in or flour or water and why you have those combinations, then you can start to tweak it because now you understand how to keep that balance, how to keep, I don't know, like things like fruit and suspension in a cake or how to get lift without using leaveners and what that ratio will look like. This is something like I, I'm really passionate about with people because I think we get so caught up on the idea of a recipe and I'm just going to be a big shout out if you have a lot of listeners, like recipes often are not tested and are just put online. So nine times out of 10, these aren't necessarily tried and true. So there's not a lot you can trust. And a lot of people will execute it and think, oh, I'm a shitty cook because it didn't come out the way that I wanted it to. And you're like, no, that was a shitty recipe. That was a shit recipe, right? So, you know, it's hard to vet that because so many people, you can type type in any food related recipe word into Google right now, and you will have millions of pages of recipes to look over. You can put in something very simple and get a hundred different ways to do it. Thousands, millions, probably. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think learning, if you really want to become a great cook at home, learning those basics and those processes is really important to building your skill level. But as far as the creative method, it's like, 
I think you could kind of say I start from the same thing. Like I like to talk to a client and I like to build some sort of foundation. You know, what do you like? What does that look like? What does a meal feel like for you? Is it classic American meat and potatoes? Is it you want family style because you want people reaching across and fighting over that last piece of steak and, you know, hunting each other down with forks and knives? Do you want <laughs> like, you know, do you want more of a exquisite cuisine where you're sitting there and intimately having each plate plated for you and being like wowed by the presentation? Because knowing those pieces really is what helps me develop that menu at the end of the day, right? Because if I'm you know, it, it really, it, it, it takes precedent over kind of like dining style can take precedent over like what kind of meats I choose, what kind of vegetables I choose, what kinds of timing I'm going to be able to execute under, um, you know, just so, yeah, it's, it starts with finding that foundation and then branching from there. Yeah. And I, I guess keeping on that, uh, creative process and I don't think I even finished what else you made for us. So Along with that entree, you did you did have a dessert. And I did mention that in big, bold letters, italicized and underlined, that we <laughs> love dessert. And as far as um, you, know, you accommodating for that, you had this nice, dense, dark chocolate, uh, I think it was a tort. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the difference is between a tort and like a regular pastry, but nonetheless, you... Sorry, go ahead. Language. Language. <laughs> Damn you, Italians and French. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, you made a little bit extra dark chocolate uh, towards and a little bit extra of your homemade ice cream as well. And we are eternally grateful for that. And we, the moment that you closed the door, we immediately finished off the rest of that dessert. <laughs> it was so good. Um, and as far as that combination goes and being very accommodating for your clients. Uh, it seems like you've done several events now, whether it be weddings. I saw that you did wedding cakes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pastries, even savory dishes. Um, as far as, you know, your preferred events or what's sort of the ratio of your events going into, let's say like weddings or even small, uh, dining experiences at home. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that look like and what do your clients seem to like? Mm. as far as like let me rephrase that question maybe let's say like uh let's be specific to weddings um i as far as you know me and kat when we had our wedding uh we loved the buffet style uh sort of wedding people can have whatever they want however much they want and things like that um what's sort of your style that you've seen um, or I guess let's just stick to your style. What's been yeah. your style with, uh, you know, weddings and how you like to accommodate for your clients? Yeah. Um, you know, so for the weddings that I've done and the weddings I have upcoming, um, especially when they get away from say six, maybe 10 people, I think it's just so much more exciting for, especially the elopement style weddings that I've been doing recently to have this more like family engagement, So family style, I think is just so fun to accomplish if they've got the space and the table. It's just, you you know, it's like, 
it's like sitting down for dinner. If you, if anybody's from like a big family, I'm not personally, I came from a family of four, but it's like that, you know, you have the big bowl of mashed potatoes and you've got the protein on another plate and you've got, you know, the salad in a big bowl and you're, or Thanksgiving, I think would be a good example of that, right. Of family style. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, you're, you're forced to talk to the person next to you to pass you the bowl of you know potatoes and and you're you're all fighting for that last piece of meat and there's somebody who wants the dark meat and somebody who wants the light meat and um i just i personally take a lot of revelry in those moments and i think it's food is so much more than just eating you know it's how we it is one of the most mundane things because everybody has to do it on a daily basis but it is an opportunity to spend time with people you love. It's an mm. opportunity to have an experience you've never had before. It's an opportunity to um, to utilize a kitchen and an Airbnb that you had no idea that you could use. You know, like it's so many things than just eating. And mm. I love that family style kind of dining experience, especially. And I think my clients would agree. You know, for a lot of them who were probably planning a lot bigger events you know, it gave them the opportunity to really be a part of the experience, you know, and I think I've seen it plenty of times, especially with big weddings, you know, it can be really intimidating and you spend as a bride and groom, you often spend a lot of time having to go around to each seat, talking to everybody. And you're rarely ever getting it to sit down and, and enjoy your own meal or like enjoy your own space even, and like really spend time in your event that you bought everyone right and so i would say that having that opportunity to have that dinner to sit down with everybody and like you're a part of it but you're not um you're not overwhelmed by it it's just really fun for people yeah and i do have to attest to that where kat and i because we're the first in our families to get married or at least in our immediate families we were i don't want to say forced but we were strongly encouraged to have like a (laughs) a huge wedding, you know, with both her family, my extended family. And it was just a big ordeal and, and believe what they say where it's a whirlwind and the whole night will be a blur. And the only memories that you might have of that night is just from pictures. So, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I will uh, say that it was probably my favorite party of all time because I knew everyone there and I was just sitting next to Kat the whole time. And, you know, it was just, it's just fun hanging out with her in general too. So, um, weddings are a whole different experience, but, uh, outside of weddings, you know, I want to make sure that I want to touch on every single aspect that you and Zestin Saver does. I'm curious with, uh, your meal prep, uh, events and, or I guess events is not the proper word, but, um, (laughs) well, how would you call it meal prep situation? (laughs) So, and ideally you kind of, it's, it's funny when I started the business, I probably wasn't the most entrepreneurial in the way that like some people can be. (laughs) I know exactly what I want to be right now. I have the plan. I'm going to do this. And I kind of went into it like a little more free form. That's just how I do everything. I'm such a type B personality in so many ways (laughs) i'm a very like low control kind of person um and you know my quickbooks would definitely attest to that (laughs) 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 but uh (laughs) yeah i really i had three ideas in mind right so my first was and i what i was really kind of pushing for because i came out of nutrition was to have this meal prep ideology where it's like you know let me take the 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 work off your hands, if you're a family or an individual or a couple, 
I'll come into your home and I'll help prepare meals for you so that you can get more time back to your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think so many people can say like how helpful that would be for them. You know, say you have a family of four and you have two kids and both of your parents work like a traditional household does these days, you know, it can be really hard to then sit down and like be very motivated to come home, cook a meal, clean it all up. You know, it can be a lot for some people. And to also keep in mind that you want your family to be healthy. You want Mm. groceries to be of quality. So you need to be able to like source that effectively, you know, and that can take work, you know, especially. And so the clientele I kind of was focused in on for that was, you know, people who are looking for high quality ingredients um, and are nutritionally minded and want some help in the kitchen. And so that was a big part of it. And I'm still kind of working on building more clientele there. And then the side of it that I thought was going to be kind of the fun side that I'll get to interact with and kind of add in a little bit here and there and sprinkle kind of became the biggest part of it, which is the events. Um, and I realized that there is such a market for people and maybe I just fell into the right time with COVID and restaurants kind of closing down, but I really was able to season it on an opportunity for people to be like, you know what? Like I just miss like eating really fun food and mm. at a restaurant and having an excuse to spend money and on food and like have an experience or, you know, I, I see my family every day, but I want like to share a moment with them. That's a little more special, you know? So then the events kind of took into account. And then the culinary classes, I was just like, I'm a nerd and I like to teach people about things. And I like to think that I'm a decent teacher um, that I care about the knowledge I bequeath to people. And so that was like, hey, you know what? If somebody's really interested, I'm here for them. Let's schedule a time. I'll come to your house. Like you got a recipe you've just been dying to try and you're like really nervous about it. Let's go through it. Let's do it together. You're referring to your cooking classes. Cooking. You also provide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With your super free form. Like I literally, I again, I like the client to come up with an idea. You know, I've got like what it'll cost for me to be there for a few hours and let's get the ingredients together and bring as many people as you want along and let's do it. You know, let's, if that's about pasta or it could be about how to make a, a cake and how to like ice a cake. I mean, it could be anything. So if anybody's listening, like if you're interested and you're just like, damn, I've always wanted to know X, hmm. give me a call. Let's see if we can figure it out together. That sounds like so much fun. And it's not only just hanging out with your friends and hanging out with a chef that will teach you how to make some of your favorite foods, yeah. but you're also getting to eat it too. Exactly. I mean, you have your cake and you eat it too. You have your cake, amazing. You too, and you might be like drunk on wine at the end, you know, <laughs> all good things for people. Not bad at all. Not bad. For sure, man. And I guess looping back into the local community and trying to find collaborations with certain people or maybe certain dishes, uh, ingredients and things like that. Um, I've had a plethora of people that I've met along the way at like uh, night markets, um, swap meets, things like that, where they have these, ex- these excellent condiments and sort of supplements to their meals or various people's meals. Have you ever thought about uh, incorporating certain, let's say like a chili paste or a uh, kimchi or things like that into your, I don't know, experience, your dining as well? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to be really honest with you. I somehow missed, I'm 31 in case anybody's interested to know. (laughs) Um, And I just somehow missed that whole social media marketing piece of millennial life that like, 
everybody my age seems to be like incredibly talented at. Um, <laughs> I will say, I, I think it's a bit to my disservice, but sometimes I've, uh, it's something I want to work on. You know, I've spent this last year really developing like and honing in on what I want to do. And I think now I'm kind of at a great opportunity to start working with other people and collaborating a little bit more and networking more, you know, like I think, like I said before, I think it's an incredible time for small business owners to like look out for each other and Mm -hmm. support one another. So to say that, to sum that all up, like, no, I haven't had an opportunity to really like get to work with um, some like local ingredient providers but i'm always like wanting to um like a couple of shout outs i'd like to give i mean because i think for me like one of the big ones that i'm always trying to do is try to find as much uh local markets that are available um you know whether that's like the boulders farmers market you know hazel dell mushrooms is just like one i could throw out there um the people at rebel farms um, you know, as many, uh, what was, I'm trying to think, Western Daughters Butchery and then Seafood Landing up here in the Highlands neighborhood. You know, these guys just do such great work and are incredible about like supporting the community and being there for like specialty orders. And I think like we often, we get in this rut of thinking like the grocery store is the only place where food comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're so accustomed, I think, in America to like, driving ourselves and our intentions towards the easiest possible way to get what we want. Right. But gosh, if you just look out there a little bit, there are some great people working on the ground who, you know, if you're like, I've been wanting to try, like my friend the other day was like, I want to learn how to roast a tomahawk ribeye. And I was like, that's so crazy. Cause I was just at this local butcher the other day and they had them on sale. Like let's, get them. let's do it. You know? So, you know, you got to get yourself out there and, and, uh, appreciate those little guys who are doing some great work. Oh, totally. And don't you fret, Mark. I, I don't want to say that I'm an expert in Instagram or social media myself, <laughs> but I will definitely connect you with some of the best, like, I, I guess, ingredients, like, oh, yeah, ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because some of my, um, I guess I can, I have the liberty of telling, saying that they're my friends now, but, uh, Curtis of Miso Hut, <laughs> I, I feel like it's weird because we haven't really hung out outside of, you know, with the COVID thing going on, but I feel like, I feel like I've known them a little bit better now that I've interviewed cool. them. Anyways. Um, anyways, yeah. Curtis of Miso Hut. Uh, have you talked to them? Have I talked to them? Oh, like, like just in conversation? Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, um, like at, I, I, they're my friends now, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. You put podcast, then do our friend. Yeah, <laughs> that means I haven't had any friends before August. So, perfect. <laughs> <Exactly>. yes. <laughs> um, to say, but yes. <laughs> but nonetheless, man, I, there are so many other uh, people that I've worked with already that would love to have you incorporate it into, I mean, of course, if the boot fits into your, the meals and everything like that, but uh, don't you fret. I'll do half of that work for you. So uh, don't worry about that. Yeah. Let's meet these people. Cause I'm, I'm down. I look, I, I want to help as many Denver people right now. Cause I'm sure they need it just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, beautiful man. This has been a very exciting interview, but I do have a couple of last questions that sure. I want to ask you before I part with you. Okay. These are called the no brainer questions. And hopefully once you hear the questions, you'll be like, Oh, that's a no brainer. I can definitely answer that. So okay. 
Number one of the no-brainer questions. If you had some advice for your younger self, Mark, what would it be? Okay. My family likes to always say, I've always had champagne taste on a beer budget. And I could not agree more with that statement. So (laughs) yes, save your goddamn money. And to all the younger viewers, save your goddamn money. Just put some of it away. Okay. Like enjoy the finer things from time to time, but just put a little bit away because you'll appreciate yourself and you will thank your older self later. You really will. (laughs) (laughs) Save your money, kids. 5%, 10%, doesn't matter. Just save it. There are so many easy options. Do a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Have a beer budget with, wait, beer taste champagne budget. Yeah. Think of it like that. Well, that's, that's what you work up to, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> so number two of the no brainer questions, who deserves a shout out? I know you've mentioned so many other fine businesses and people already, but any other people that you would like to, I don't know, just make a little bit more known these days. I'm just going to, I'm going to go and just say a shout out to the restaurant community in Denver. And I know this is kind of like maybe a little, um, I don't know. I'm going to get a little gushy for a moment, but really I want like people just in your viewership to understand that like, it's been really hard for, you know, the restaurant industry over the last year. And those people truly need the business. They want the business. They're hoping that you come back. They hope that you'll understand that they're doing everything they possibly can to stay afloat and, you know, work within the parameters and to just not let them like fail. Because I think so often we look at like the restaurant industry as being this sort of extravagance. So it comes and goes with people's pleasure, but man, like it's so many people's livelihoods, you know? So have some compassion. Like there's so many people out there who, who, don't have the luxury to work from home. They don't have the luxury to, um, to take on, like they don't, they can't just take unemployment because it's not going to cover enough of their bills and the necessities that they need. And, you know, putting themselves in front of a community of people, begging you for tips, wearing a face mask, touching your dirty glasses and silverware, doing it on a daily basis. And, you know, all in the midst of a pandemic, you know, they really deserve a shout out in a lot of ways. It's been very hard, you know, and and often I think too, it's like that community is so, there's so little protection for them, you know, like so many people in the restaurant industry don't have health insurance, you know, can't afford it, barely paying their bills, you know, and, um, you know, so have some compassion, you know, it's not like there are some people in the midst of this pandemic who just, they don't have the luxury to keep themselves protected. They have to work with the public. So, yeah. Yeah. Really odd that some of these essential workers can be considered like the lowest paid people in the industry in general. So my gosh, they've been battered and beaten. Um, It's it's a goddamn shame when it comes down to it. So hopefully we have a different, I don't know, ideology towards uh, people in the service industry. Cause I still have some buddies that work at Starbucks. I worked there for like eight years. Okay. Yeah. Pulling me through like a community college and actual university. So yep. it's, it's kind of a bummer that even people, even in Starbucks where they're just like touching everything and having to deal with rude right. customers too. And it's a bummer. You know what? And we're people too, you know, we all have bad days, right? Like I, I you know, customer service 
sounds really easy, but in practice and in the midst of all the stress, it can be really hard, you know, so have some compassion. Like some people have just a bad day and it can be really draining, you know, to serve tables and have to wash your hands constantly to have to operate with all this glove wearing and no glove wearing and you have to stay away from all these other people you know yes in the old days we could run around the building and do a hundred different things and operate in this sort of success of like rapid fire accuracy but now it's like we have all these barriers to that and Mm. you know don't don't take that out on people's tips and their livelihood. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. I just, True words. I, know, I mean, I'm sure I don't think your viewership is probably people who feel that way, but I'm just saying, I have to say it because that little pirate family that has sailed the seas with me and yes, <laughs> a bunch of crazy artist types who drink too much and live a wild lifestyle, but we still deserve that lifestyle. You know, we still deserve, we still deserve to be a part of the world. So completely agree. Oh, True words. awesome man well number three of the no-brainer questions what's the next big thing for zest and saver and can the audience provide anything of value to you i think we touched on it a little bit um you know i'd love to kind of collaborate a little bit more in the community um i think for me next big picture kind of jumps i'm really thinking and this is probably long term but um getting a commercial kitchen at some point or commercial kitchen space to kind of expand on this sort of like catering side of my business um because it's definitely a barrier at the moment you know i need to get a catering license but i also need to have a commercial kitchen space um so that's kind of on the horizon and i think in within that i would love to get to a point where i could collaborate with um people working with like food equity in the city um it's a big passion of mine so um, just in case anybody's listening from Metro Caring or Denver Food Rescue, um, if you ever need somebody who wants to come in and do like a cooking class or, um, and if you're ever interested in having like a chef do something on a volunteer basis, I would, I would love to get involved for sure. Oh yeah. And I, I feel like Denver has been pretty accommodating with, let's say community kitchens or like a community refrigerator where food is just stored in there. People that are not as uh, privileged as others where they can get regular food can go to these spots and, um, you know, accommodate for that. So yeah. bless you, Denver way to go. Yeah. Denver, accommodating. Denver does a great job. I think it, if you don't know if you know anybody from Denver food rescue, but it's a, it's a cool shout out if you ever wanted to like look into them, but they basically help, procure like urban garden food and like food that would be thrown out otherwise and they they're kind of like zero emission is kind of a big part of their their project so most of the people who volunteer ride bicycles and have like little bicycle driven like food refrigerators on it and so they go and procure all these veggies and bring them to a, a storage facility and then distribute so That's really so cool kind of thing to do. and yeah so it's kind of like that like next step and like saving food from the, the garbage can yeah. yeah yeah and that's a whole other topic in itself i just hate yeah. wasting food that the restaurant industry is a huge culprit of that and mm-hmm. we got to figure out a way to um make things a little bit more efficient you know a little bit goes a long way when you come when it comes down to that you know 100 percent. yeah so well, a big shout out to those people and yeah i would love if i could that uh, that was that's kind of a big goal for me in the horizon okay actually. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. Yep. I will definitely make it known in the social media world for sure. Hit me up. DM me. Find me wherever. <laughs> <laughs> wherever. Where am I? I don't even know where I am these days. <laughs> 
All right. So number four, Mark, uh, what's the best way for people to contact you and get more information about Zest and Saver? Yeah. So um, I have a website. It's zestandsaver.com. Um, people can either go directly on there and fill out a little form if they just want to get some more information. It kind of connects us with like their email and phone. Um, or you can just email me directly. Email is usually the easiest way at info at zestandsaver.com. Um, so please reach out if, if anybody's interested and then check out my Instagram. I could always use new viewership and love kind of connecting with other people in Denver. So please reach out. And that's at Zest and Saver. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You're getting it. I feel like you know your social media more than you say you do. I mean, I do. <laughs> but like, well, nonetheless, sometimes like literally just as an aside, sometimes people will DM me and then it says it's, I have a request. I'm sorry if we're not friends. And sometimes that request gets hidden in cyberspace, but it took me about a year to realize that that's just where they hide the messages from people you don't know yet. <laughs> that's how much, that's how little I know about social media. Teaching this stuff in school, man, you have to learn this stuff and it's tough. Who's doing it out there? Cause I could use it an adult level learning class. <laughs> yeah. Well, genuine pleasure, Mark. And I do have to say your Instagram is filled with so much color and so much cool things that you are doing at these events from wedding cakes to meal preps, to your recipes, to your tutorials. I feel like there's something for everyone when it comes to your site over at um, Zest and Saver on the Instagram and even on your site itself. A great way to contact you is through that email and you're very responsive and people, come on, get out to Mark. I mean, enjoy yourself and- have have a great time. I, I cannot say enough about Mark and our experience uh, for our anniversary dinner back in the day. So um, Mark knows his stuff. Thanks. Check him out. Yeah. Let's bring some more flavor to your life. Let's do it. Come on. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I had a genuine pleasure hanging out and talking with you, but um, I'll talk to you later for sure. Yeah. I hope to stay in touch. Thank you. Yo, how cool is Mark? He has some pretty cool stories on his path to becoming a business owner here in the great city of Denver. Um, The story that sticks out to me after re-listening to the episode on his travels is his travel to or through the Appalachian Trail, where he enveloped his mind on this, what do I want to do? Curiosity for his self-fulfillment. And I think we all have our own metaphorical Appalachian Trail, quote unquote, uh, that we go through in order to progress and blow past those limiting beliefs that we set for ourselves. And um, his time spent with uh, First Ascents, the outdoor event program providing for young adults with cancer, uh, really says a lot about his character. And sometimes self-fulfillment comes in many forms and uh, sometimes giving instead of receiving or expecting something in return is so much more powerful for your mental well-being. Um, And it says a lot about his character and especially when it comes to developing a skill set to provide meals for 20 people in a small kitchen. So your skill set can be found and honed in such random places. Don't forget that, you know, in the various paths and avenues that you put through yourself it's all a culmination of that. Wherever you end up, your experiences take you along that path. So you just got to find a way to utilize it all. So 
Thanks again for listening. This is just episode one. I have so many cool guests coming up this season. Um, Oh my gosh. I I don't even want to put any more spoilers in here, but uh, expect some cool promotional material coming up. Uh, I am an avid goer of the night market crew and um, just love exploring and learning about the local scene. Um, I just had some habit donuts uh, recently and they were amazing. Oh my God. So uh, definitely check out your local scene. Uh, everyone just loves to see a smiling face, especially when you help out the local scene. And, uh, thanks for listening. My name is Ian Jimeno and remember to shop local, support local, big locals podcast. See ya. See ya.